We are Monique and Ellie and welcome to the Together Apart podcast. We are two mothers who are both currently successfully co-parenting. We've come together to create the resource that we wish we'd had when we both started on our own journeys of parenting after separation. We want to make it very clear that we are not trained therapists and are sharing our lived experiences. Some of the concepts we speak of aren't relevant in situations where safety is an issue. Okay, welcome to episode two of the Together Apart podcast. Um, I am sitting here with Mon. And hello, hello. We, today we are discussing, well, discussing and sharing some co-parenting principles that we've come up with. They're just really basic, very, um, I think if you just try and implement them, mm. it'll bring a lot to your co-parenting relationship. And we've tried to narrow it down and simplify as best we can. Yeah. Um, so Mon's going to introduce them. We'll just get straight into it, I think. Yes, sweet. Okay, so rule number one, just respect. And I think this encompasses so many things. Do you want to talk about some of the things it encompasses, Ellie? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say it's literally the baseline for a co-parenting yeah. relationship. Oh, even a, even not a co-parent, even a romantic relationship, just respect for your any relationship, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think privacy comes into that. I think when you first separate and, you know, you might start dating or doing this, it's not sharing it because you respect your partner and your co-parent. You don't need to put them through unnecessary um, triggers and all that kind of stuff. It's just respecting them. And I think we mentioned this when we tried to record this last time, but just... it's taken a while um just a baseline if you cannot and you're at a place in not a great place within your Mm co-parenting relationship and the least you can do is respect that co-parent as your child's parent Mm -hmm. then I think that's still quite a that's that's good you know and maybe that's where you're starting at you are treating them nicely and you're being kind to them mainly because of your child but that'll build upon and you'll sort through, as you sort through. But at the start, it can be quite tough. But I think it's just an overall respect. We want to respect the parent's relationship with the child. We don't want to interfere with it. And Ali has this amazing analogy or metaphor, whatever it is that she the has. Triangle. The triangle. <laughs> We're going to pop it up on our social media. Yeah. Um, where we call it the parenting triangle. And the bases of the triangle are both parents. And then the tip is the child or children. Yeah. And it's about that the arrows run between um, two-way arrows. Is that what you would call them? Um, And so your relationship with your co-parent is separate from your relationship with your child and your co-parent's relationship with with your child is separate to your relationship with your child. And it's just not about interfering and it's about stepping back and respecting that. Mm -hmm. And if you, unless you can foster it, if you're Mm -hmm. fostering it and you're helping it, then sure, by all means. But... Main, like the main thing about it is that it's it's separate from you and you don't really need to interfere in that. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up in like, well, it's my child, my child. But yeah, it's also your co-parent's child. Yeah. And you chose to have a child with them and there needs to be some respect in that. Yeah. Perfect. So rule number one, respect, not interfering with the relationship that your child has with the other parent and respecting them as a co-parent. Perfect. Okay, rule number two, avoiding parental conflict in front of kids or avoiding exposing children to parental conflict, I think is probably more appropriate. Um, I like the word avoid rather than no parental conflict because I think 
Well, I don't, I think sometimes. It's too rigid. It's very rigid. And even in romantic relationships, relationships exist simultaneously with conflict and discussion and arguments. Yeah. And sometimes I don't think people need to, kids need to see that necessarily as a terrible thing. But mm. we're talking about unnecessary, full on things that are like name calling, not good arguments. Yeah. You know, you need to do your best to avoid doing that in front of the children. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it kind of speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. But I think from a child developmental process, I've spoken with you about this before, it's, you know, not bad-mouthing um, mm-hmm. the co- your co-parent in front of your child, not, I guess, using your children as a pawn. And what we've spoken about is how my parents literally ticked every single checkbox and how not to successfully co-parent. <laughs> And how traumatizing and debilitating that was for me growing up because they would they would put me in the middle and they would badmouth each other to yeah. um, to us. And what that felt like was an attack on my own DNA because if my mum is saying these horrible, nasty things about my dad and I am 50% him, then she must hate those things in me as well. Therefore, she must hate me. This is just the way that your child's brain is thinking about things. It's very black and white. They're very egocentric. The world revolves around them to a degree. And they don't have, I guess, the mature capacity to be able to discern what is true, what is not true. And then carrying that through with them. Yeah. It doesn't just happen while the separation is happening. That mm. stays with you. You yeah. know, that that kind of stuff like children just don't have the ability to understand that relationships are so complex and there's so mm. many different angles and so many they just don't have it so they think it's yeah. them um and um Ali said this to me before and she said you are your kids first version of what a relationship looks like you are what they see as normal and will repeat in their life it is it's so true like everything Everything, even like another example is if your child sees you exercising, they grow up thinking that's normal. Mm. If a child sees you, you know, I don't know, drinking, drinking, smoking, they think that's Mm. normal. Yeah. So I think, and often I think we forget that in the first seven years is that imprint period with our children. And that is the time they are the most vulnerable to everything around them. So, and I think if you're on this and you're transitioning your relationship into a co-parenting relationship, then your children are going to see, okay, not, well, I get excited for Rocky to see this. Not all romantic relationships work out, but look how cool it is that you can still be friends and you can work Mm -hmm. through things together and you can come to this place. And I think having your children walk away from the separation experience with that, instead of what you did when you were a child, is yeah. going to change their change them so much and just benefit their life. Yeah, beautiful point because I think one of this is just a slight segue, but one of the things I struggled with the most was the white picket fence thing, which we talk mm-hmm. about and we'll probably talk about a million times. And that is this idea that together is good, apart is bad. Mm-hmm. And so that if I leave or if I choose something different other than what is socially, societally acceptable, then I'm bad and not worthy and unlovable and everyone will hate me and all of those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. But if we create this new norm that there is no black and white, sometimes there might be because of safety reasons. um, But if in general, there's no black and white with, there doesn't have to be a black and white start and stop beginning and end with relationships. They can just transition and evolve into something different. 
And that can be so beautiful, I think, for anybody to experience as they let go of one part of their life and move into the next, you know, not trying to blank out all of those things that happened before them and wanting Mm -hmm. to start fresh. I think that can be, that can give children a lot of permission growing up to, to think about things differently and navigate relationships and separation differently. Okay. Rule number three. Willingness to do self-work. Co-parenting requires willingness to do self-work. Yeah, and we were going to write self-healing, but mm-hmm. we're not, But we didn't. We chose self-work because we mm-hmm. just thought it's whatever you need to do at the time or the space you're in to keep yourself aware of yourself, aware of your thoughts, mm-hmm. and slowly but surely better yourself but at the beginning if that is hard for you it might look like for me one of my things I do when I'm not feeling great is exercise yeah journaling I write everything down I think you spoke that you journaled as well um about your mind flipping my mind flipping oh my pivoting yeah so in the beginning I would do it was more like a gratitude thing so if if Steve was ever doing something and I could feel the urge to basically have a go at him for whatever that thing was I would just take a moment like all you need to give yourself is a second just a small second to pivot your thoughts and I would instead flip it into having gratitude for him at the very baseline you know for giving me boat bringing Bowden into my life or mm-hmm. um something that I was noticing him doing even if it was something really small um f- for me it might be really big for him so just trying to focus on the things that I had gratitude for him that was a real-time process that would help me sort of I guess rewire how I was thinking and perceiving him to be Mm-hmm. And I just found it really helpful for me to see him in a different light and have, yeah, it, was, it really was a really important part of like my, the self-work that I did as yeah. a co-parent. And I think ideally co-parenting is a reciprocal relationship, but that's not always possible. And I knew that the thing that I could control was my response to him. I couldn't change him but I could change how I was thinking feeling and Your believing reactions. yeah my reaction about that so and I think that's the thing I just think we both agree that without both of you doing some sort of mm. self-work it's going to be really tough because you yeah. both need to be you kind of need to be the best version of yourselves as often as possible at the yeah. beginning at the beginning um I mean, now, so like if I'm having a bad week, Charlie steps up and vice versa. That's because we have that relationship. Yeah. But definitely I think it just, it's about sorting through your triggers what Mm -hmm. and working consciously to leave the romantic relationship behind because you're transitioning into a new relationship, which is Mm -hmm. co-parenting. And so it's about, you can't, you need to be conscious enough and aware enough of your thought patterns to not just bring up and fire at your, um, yeah, at your co-parent for something yeah. you know a year ago or something. Or you always do this when we were together. You did this. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. That's what we mean by that. It's just keeping yourself in a really good headspace as often as possible, and so working out the things that help you get to that space. Yeah. I wrote down this thing. Can I just read it? Because I think we worded it so perfectly. But it was. 
Self-work is doing whatever needs to be done so that you are able to own your experiences from a first-person perspective and aren't triggered by your Mm co-parent. Because when you focus on your subjective experience, you create room for the other person to have an equally valid and potentially different experience. And I think that really sums up how you redefine the stories that you're telling yourself and repair your wounds. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, co-parenting relationships, relationships in general are cultivated. They are curated created and they are work it's called work for a reason because you have to fucking work it's not effortless natural maybe for some people it is but it definitely was not the case for me it required like a year of hard backbreaking thought i was gonna die work (laughs) surrender no i would say the same a year of trying to stay as conscious and aware as possible so that i didn't um consistently (laughs) Yeah, tear us down almost. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah. So I think just it can be, you know, I think we wrote down the other day what it was for us, but for me it was writing down the facts. Yeah. Um, journaling out my thoughts and feelings because often when you write things down, then you can see the actual theme. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I wrote about this the other day. This must yeah. be a wound for me. You know, maybe I feel like I'm not considered and that's frustrating me. Or yeah. maybe I'm putting my expectations on them, but I'm not actually sharing my expectations with them so they don't actually know but that's so then you actually can kind of take ownership from journaling I feel because you start to really get used to the patterns and the themes in your writing um and journaling that can be five minutes in the morning it's not a big deal five minutes at any time of the day um you love meditation I love meditation meditation just helps me to rest and not be so stressed and be Mm -hmm. able to actually see what is happening in front of me with a bit more clarity rather than Mm -hmm. being super reactive I'm much more proactive about like how I'm processing and experiencing things same with journaling for me and writing I think it just doesn't have to be this big long winded three-page thing it can be sometimes it is sometimes it's just five minutes I think it just helps me get it out of my head onto a piece of paper so that I can actually look at it from a third party perspective I suppose and then what we're talking about before which is just sort of like mind flipping and having gratitude I wouldn't write that down I don't write gratitude list but just on real time yeah I do that too yeah I still do it now you do to now yeah sometimes I do I'm really grateful for this life we live and you know we have so many beautiful things and we live in a beautiful area and I think that Mm. just often helps especially like at the start of the week I think was I was it the start of week or the end of last week where I was like I'm just in a co-parenting funk and like it was Monday yeah I literally spent the whole day being like I'm so grateful for this and I'm so lucky for this and that and slowly but surely that changes you know and obviously my shitty mood wore off Mm. and it was fine I even do it now when we're having like good time. Like yesterday we had an amazing evening together. Um, Bo was with his Nana. So we got a rare moment when it was just him and I, Steve and I. And um, I just had gratitude. I was like, man, I really enjoyed hanging out with you tonight. I really enjoyed our conversation. I've had a really good time with you. Uh, But I'm equally happy to see you go today to go pick up our son. (laughs) You're like, bye. How's to myself? (laughs) Um, Okay, rule number four, check in with your kids frequently. Yeah. Um, I feel like you might have a bit more to say on this because Rocky was so young when we separated that really we didn't need to. But I think it does come to that point of children if you don't explain things to them will create their own stories about what's yeah, happening yeah 
I mean, that's pretty much it, is that um, I think that keeping kids feeling involved in the family, I'm speaking from my experience with Bo, but also my experience with my own parents where they, I guess they sort of treated me like you're a child and this is adult business. And it just was a very isolating, lonely experience for me because I had no idea what was going on. Do they hate each other and me? Whatever is it, it is. Is it my fault? Did I do something yeah. wrong? Could I have done something better? We, we try and have as much as possible child-appropriate conversations with Bo. We always give him the space to be able to express how he feels about something, what ideas he has, and just making him feel like an involved part of the family, even um, when there's change coming up that we know about you know sort of like including him in the conversation as soon as possible so that it's not a shock to his nervous system I suppose and that he can prepare himself in a way that helps him feel stable as he navigates change and secure within his relationship with us mm -hmm. so yeah child, basically long story short child uh, age appropriate conversation helping your kids feel involved being honest and authentic and vulnerable with your conversation I think if you feel like you are not equipped to do that then i don't think there's anything wrong with speaking to a child psychologist oh, or a counselor and getting them to sit in with you and do it and maybe yeah. that's something that you commit to with your co-parent and you do it once a fortnight or once yeah. a week and you just and you're both sitting there holding space for your child who's yeah. bringing up anything but you've got a specialist or a professional there to help you navigate it mm -hmm. um, if by all means if you feel confident enough to do it alone go wild but I think yeah. both of us would recommend well even in the self-work we missed that we forgot about recommending a psych um, yeah. or a counsellor to help navigate and I think oh, that yeah, could be a whole family yeah therapy was important for both of us um, and I think sorting yeah like finding someone and outsourcing yeah. help to communicate if you don't believe you're the best person to do it which is fine because communication is hard and especially hard. at the start of your co-parenting relationship like I am quite good at communicating now but that's because we're four years in mm. um and so I think yeah there is no I think it's a great idea if you don't feel equipped to do it to just yeah hire a professional um, I have got some tips for helping your children to express themselves because one of my beautiful dear friends is a psychologist and I hope mm -hmm. that we get her on here because she is smart as fuck. She's got mm -hmm. so much wisdom to share about um, child development, emotional development, trauma. But some of the tips that she gave me with helping, you know, to teach Bo how to communicate was um, asking them where they're feeling, like not asking them how they feel, but asking them where they're feeling their feelings in their body. Mm -hmm. So are you feeling it in your chest? Are you feeling it in your belly? Just asking them to point to their body yeah. and tell them where they're feeling. Doing a really simple diagram, and this works at all ages, especially mm -hmm. if you're new at this, and it's literally a smiley face, a sad face, and a neutral face or angry face, mm -hmm. and asking them to pick which um, – image they resonate with the most in terms of like how they're feeling and yep. it, it's just starting there starting with real basics and another great thing that she did which we actually used with Bo was going to a paint shop or something and getting swatches of paints that have a different spectrum so we would have the faces above the three faces above mm -hmm. and then this paint swatch which went from say white to black mm -hmm. and he would pick say the smiley face and then are you feeling really happy or oh, yeah. not very happy so so that was the next thing that we did was introducing that so that he could determine the spectrum 
of how happy he was or how angry he was or sad, how sad he was feeling. Yeah. And that was just such a great practice. We just had it on a little board and we'd just get him to point to it if he was feeling like his words weren't coming out properly. Yeah. Because what happens if they don't have an outlet for that is it just internalizes and eventually at some point will self-combust. So those are just like some really basic tips to get started. But I yeah, don't think fun. I would have come to that without my very beautiful, helpful friend. No, they're great. And I think also just, I think we spoke about this in episode three, but just being aware of your reaction to your children's mm, yeah. feelings and what they say is really important. Um, and just coming from a conscious place and kids are kids. So if you ask them a question and you're probing, like you've mm-hmm. just said, or using one of them, and then if you need to actually step back and take a little bit of time to work out how you're going to speak to them about mm-hmm. it, then come back, like just nicely exit the conversation and come back to it instead of I don't know like sometimes yeah, yeah, can yeah, say yeah things that would be a little bit of a trigger for me and so it's better for me to walk away and then come back yeah. and go hey you know when we were talking about this the other day yeah you know um or I can see you're really frustrated I completely understand you know and just coming back with a more softening reaction yeah it's so funny that you say that I just remembered something I completely forgot about which was one of our rules at the start of our co-parenting relationship actually parenting in general um because I come from quite a violent background Mm -hmm. and so when Bowdoin was born one of my rules was no smacking Mm -hmm. and um our joint shared rule that we discussed right at the beginning was that if we ever have the urge to put him in timeout that we actually put ourselves in timeout mm-hmm. so that we can actually understand and reflect as to what's going on for us to want to react in the way where we want to. That is amazing. Yeah, have a go. That so that was a rule. Yeah, that's mm. so good. So, yeah. Anyway, I so I thought I'd that. share that. I kind of forgot about that, actually. So thank you for prompting me. And then our last principle or guideline for co-parenting is uh this is kind of in two parts so determine shared parenting values and goals and um this is not the same as a co-parenting you know what is it called like a legal thing that you're required yes no so we're not like a custody custody agreements and legalities yeah Yeah. this is stuff you come up with on your own together as a Mm co-parent as co-parents to better your relationship yeah So I think I'll talk about the first bit and then the values and you can talk about the goals because you've got such a great example that I think people would definitely help me when you share it with me. But the first part is that, you know, communicating your expectations to each other, being really clear about um, why you're even bothering with your co-parenting relationship, which hopefully is for your kids, taking a child-centric approach to to sort of this and um helping that gives you an anchor to come back into when you're sort of feeling like oh fuck him or fuck her yeah. i can't be bothered doing this um brings you back to that sort of mm-hmm. anchor and sort of grounding experience that you have in this and just creating rules and boundaries around sort of what's going on or what you expect in each household to happen so that you're not being played off against each other or you're not feeling you're feeling like you're on the same page, um, don't have a good cop, bad cop situation going on. How do you make decisions for your kids? And even a space where you can both sort of talk about things that you've noticed going on with your children, either at school or yeah. in each other's homes and stuff like that. So Steve and I currently co-live, but we hope that we've set up a good foundation for when we we 
sort of live separately and that's to do monthly family monthly family meetings we sort of really do go over we literally had one last night where we go over ideas that we've got for the future plans that we would like to come to fruition how we're feeling about Bo, any things that have come up in conversation with him or experiences we think we might be having and it's so important to um revisit these regularly to make sure that you're both sort of like informed as to where the other parent is at both emotionally and physically yeah so um and those things like just to give some examples can be so simple it can be mm. something as simple as we don't swear in front of the children yeah you know but then it can become more complex as well you know there can be future relationships or dating mm-hmm. rules and guidelines there can like the, it's so many and i think the reason like starting off small then allows the space yeah. for you to create bigger ones together we both think beginning the communication more mm-hmm. on these small, simple steps can help then eventuate into yeah. really effective and yeah. beautiful communication. One example that I have is a friend of our, a friend of Charlie's actually, the dad is not, doesn't live near the child. And the mum actually sends photos of stuff the little boy is doing throughout the week so that when they have their weekly or I don't know how many times they FaceTime, but they can actually have something to talk about. Yeah, beautiful. And I think having that is even just something like, you know, I'll do this, but you need to do two, you know, FaceTimes or whatever, having a rule around that. There's just, they can, it's like the world is your oyster in what you're mm-hmm. going to create guides and guidelines around. Um, for us, like her food is pretty, it's a big thing. We like really don't, we're pretty strict around what she eats and what she doesn't. Um, her food and our language and our emotional, yeah, our, like we're the few times like I know in our relationship that yelling is not cool. Mm. So a few times that I will like snap, Charlie will be like, hey, sort that out. And I'm like, I know I got triggered. In the <laughs> you know, and like, so, Ellie, go sit in the naughty yeah, corner. Yeah, go sit in the naughty I'm like, oh, my God. Um, but I think, yeah, but for us, the way that we kind of, we don't, because we are so often together, like we kind of just bring up stuff as it comes up to so schools and yeah. chat about stuff. But we did probably, probably we've done it twice now, shared our five-year plans. And mm-hmm. we have our five-year plan and then we have our priorities. Yeah. So this is the second part is, is yes, shared is parenting goals. Shared yeah. parenting goals. Sorry, yes. Um, and so our five-year plan, like for me, it was to finish my degree, start getting some income, um, because I've been studying and I finished at the end of this year, last year. Um, and I can't remember the other ones. I don't have them written down. And then priorities, like on the other side. So one of my prior- high priorities was earning my own income. But also dating was one of mine. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, I'm feeling ready to really date again. Um, and that came with probably like ending co-living within about 12 months, I've kind of said. And so I think... Not that dating and co-living can't exist together. It's just a bit more difficult. Complex. Um, a little more complex. Um, another episode, another episode. Another episode, totally. <laughs> um, but it's just I think it's important to have understandings and me understanding what Charlie's goals are and him understanding mine mean that we can work together to help each other and support one another to reach our goals. So mm-hmm. it might mean like for us at the start, I was really the focus because Rocky 
primary carer, not primary carer, but she, you know, she was so young. So mum is the primary need. I want to say like the, you know, kids <laughs> I know what you mean. Most. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so he kind of put one of his careers on the back burner and now I've finished my degree and I'm able to earn money and be more independent. So now it's his turn to kind of take off and do that. And it just, it allowed to this back and forth of supporting one another and understanding mm-hmm okay, this is important to you kind of mm. thing. Um, and, yeah, I think. I think yeah. that's just so beautiful. I think it's just, again, this comes back to communication. I think we needed a whole segment on how to communicate effectively because. Yeah. I yeah, think it's all right. Just I'll so write important. it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but communicating your expectations and your needs and basically like having, being parallel with, your desires and stuff like that and how you can support each other really does bring you together when you're apart. Oh, I love <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. So that um, are our five principles for happy, healthy co-parenting relationship. If you have yep. any questions or queries about things that have worked for you or anything that we've discussed in our episode today, please don't hesitate to reach out and in our Instagram at parenting together. Maybe apart. we should get an email. Oh, we should get an email. We'll do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll figure that out anyway. Um, but in the meantime, just DM us on Instagram and thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the co-parenting movement. We are so grateful to have you here. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review and subscribe. If you know any friends or family going through a separation with children, please pass this on so we can reach as many people as possible. Follow at Parenting Together Apart on Instagram and we look forward to seeing you next time.